Yes, welcome to the NBA panel. I'm host John Weatherspoon. Today I'm honored to be joined by the one and only NCAA Director of Media Coordination and Media Coordinator of March of Madness, David Warlock. David, what's going on? How are you today, John? I'm good. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for talking about your busy schedule. I know you're busy 24-7, 365 every day <laughs> all year. Yeah, yeah. It's the on call pretty much, but that's, uh, it's, it's not really work if you enjoy it as much as I do. Exactly. You have a dream job, a dream career. I'm sorry. I correct myself. You have a dream career, man. Tell us about it. What are some of your duties as director and coordinator of the biggest venue event of the year, arguably? Well, yeah, it's um, it's like it, like you said, it's it's a lot of work, but it's quite the honor. Um, yes. To get here is, is a a dream come true. Uh, it's something I've, I've dreamt about my whole life. Um, yeah, I've been at the NCAA for 20 years now. Um, in my current role, um, I oversee the media coordination and statistics staff, and yes. um, we have a 13 person crew and. And we handle all the day-to-day statistics for almost any sport you could think of that, that's um, played competitively across NCAA schools. So, and we do it for right. sports, divisions one, two, and three, for football, men's and women's soccer, volleyball, beach volleyball, men's and women's ice hockey, men's and women's basketball, men's and women's lacrosse, baseball, softball, um, all that kind of all that kind of stuff. We do the records books, coaching records, um, you know. You name it, anything that has to do with with the typical athletics communications office on campus, you know, we do it for the national office on the statistics side. And then on the media coordination side, we oversee all the media operations at about a couple dozen uh, of our 90 NCAA championships, so the the ones that that get the most media attention and the most coverage, uh, whether it's television side or, or, you know, people on site. And me specifically, I work with football when it comes to FBS and FCS statistics and records and okay. the uh, March Madness media operations. Yes, 13 people. You guys are doing a phenomenal job. They have a great team you work with, a great team. Well, that, that's that's the key to anything. I tell people that all the time, surround yourself with good people. And yes, good yes, people. yes. And uh, that's, I, that's one thing I have been smart enough to do is have a good army of people around me and, and you know, just talented young men and women who are just really good at their job and as dedicated as I am. And, and you know, they, you know, not everyone gets to work on Division One men's basketball, but uh, there are people that handle wrestling or soccer and lacrosse, and they treat it, you know, with the same energy and passion that I do with basketball, and uh, that, that makes our operation successful. Definitely. Yes, Morris Madness is nothing like it. Uh, for you, you also like me, I mean, and a lot of things. You have to have a short-term memory when it comes to this. Like you said, what like you said, March Madness is one of the biggest venues. But once that once that one is done, you got to switch to the next one. You guys already started setting your sights on the one in um in Houston next year. So, I mean, how was it for you when March Madness comes around? I mean, you guys, you guys get ready for it year round. But when it comes, I'm sure there's nothing no experience like it for you. It is, you know, you know, during the year, you're mostly planning on, you know, once, once the, the basketball season begins in early November, the focus right. is really on the, the 14 sites that'll be hosting the tournament. You have Dayton's hosting the first four. And of course they've been doing uh, that since the first four, uh, right. 2011, but really since the opening round game in 2001. So, it's been a couple of decades now where Dayton has been the site for the start of the tournament, and um, they do a terrific job every year, which is you know why they they host that event. 
Uh, but then the state first and second round sites and full regional sites and, and so the men's basketball staff and, and, and a lot of the people like me who work on that championship are, are getting all those host sites ready, whether it's dealing with the personnel at, at each venue right. or the host institution um, or conference that, that work and their personnel are, are doing all the operations uh, you know, with our guidance uh, from here in the national office. The final four is more hands-on. Uh, there's obviously a host institution this past year is Tulane, um, and then the people at the Superdome are clearly involved. Um, but the entire basketball staff and the working group, as we call it, so anyone dealing with branding or marketing or event operations, media coordination like like myself and, and uh, Jen Rogers and Lauren Daniel of my right. team. And it, it is. It, it's it's there's a lot of year-round planning, a lot of site visits, a lot of meeting with hosts, um, a lot of uh, internal meetings uh, year-round, um, monthly visits to the Final Four site that, that begin actually in June. So um, yeah, it, 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 is a, it is a lot of work uh, to get a site ready. But, you know, we're also looking way ahead. We have site selection process uh, that, that's, that's begun. And, and, you know, later this fall we'll announce, you know, Final Four sites for 2027 through 2031, if you can believe that. So, you know, we're, we're working that far ahead, at least with announcing the sites uh, that will host the future Final Fours. And then next year we'll, we'll start worrying about the uh, preliminary round sites for, for those years. Right. You guys did a phenomenal job. I mean, from the fan, the fan awareness, fan, everything the fans could do, the fan on accommodations to the media room. The media room was more than accommodating. You guys have more than no space, outlets, everything. And that's been a very important covering a big event as such as this. It is. It, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously an, a, um, a, an event that gets worldwide attention. Uh, that, you know, and we, we missed it terribly in 2020 when the pandemic yes. we canceled. And then yeah. while we got through it in 2021, you know, it was, it was, you know, well done here in the state of Indiana. And, you know, we we're happy to crown a champion. But it wasn't quite the same because we didn't have the fans and, and right. have the, the media contingencies. We had a you know a couple dozen writers credentialed this year. You know we had counting our TV partners, we had more than 1,900. So um, just having a packed house and and being able to play. And you know it's two years in a row we've had a Final Four game that would that are just games for the ages with Gonzaga and UCLA last year. Yes, line of Duke this year. And while the North Carolina Duke game, you have the, the rivalry aspect and, and the backstory with Coach Krzyzewski retiring, you right. know, the difference in that game was really you had uh, 7,000 fans or 8,000 fans last year and 70,000 fans this year that helped contribute to, um, to the environment in the arena. And, and yeah. you know, it's, you know, the media make, the media, you know, covering the event and giving it the worldwide attention certainly helps and obviously the coaches and players mean everything to the sport uh but in terms of atmosphere you you just can't beat um you know just having fans in the stands that goes for everything you know just watching this year's nfl playoffs versus last year nfl playoffs you could tell a big difference there's just having having packed houses is what it's all about because those fans bring so much energy yeah superdome was well represented this year it was loud i had had to cover my ears at times when kansas came out I was like, okay, Kansas deep in here. <laughs> they were so loud. And you know, and I have I have two sons, ages twelve and ten, and this is this 
year was their first Final Four, not counting last year that you know they they got to go and, and sit way up top um, and watch it. But it wasn't the same because you know, like I said, the, it wasn't a packed house. So this was their right. quote unquote first real Final Four, and that's that's all they wanted to talk about was just the number of people, how exciting it was, and they're, they're both big sports fans uh, anyway. Just to to be there and experience that and. And uh, along with, like I said, other, the other 70,000 people, it was just really special to have the Final Four back in, in uh, more of a normal setting. Definitely. Oh, so take us back for a little bit. Um, your first experience was in Orleans at the Final Four at the same um, at the same place. And how was it going back as a coordinator to that place for you? How was that experience? It was, you know, 2003 was the first time I went to the Final Four. I was there as a fan. I, I started working at the NCAA in 2001. Right. Fall of, of 2001. And you have to work here a year before you, you get access to, to the staff tickets. And okay. and so I didn't go in 2002. I hadn't been here a year. And so 2003 I went. And, um, you know, it was it was almost like it was scripted. I, I went there as a fan. Um, my uncle is one of biggest college basketball fans I know. He lives in he lives in upstate New York, which is where I was born. I moved away when I was a small kid because my father joined the army. But the I, I grew up a Syracuse fan because of just having my roots there and being in a family full of Syracuse fans. And so the year before Syracuse didn't even make the tournament, we weren't expecting Syracuse to to be a, a final four contender. So we, right. we just my uncle and I, and, you know, just the, we planned the trip months in advance. And, of course, you know, the rest is history, as they say. Carmelo and Jerry McNamara and those guys lead Syracuse to the national championship. And that was my first Final Four I ever been, went to. You know, my uncle was just beside himself, just the, the biggest Syracuse fan I knew. And But to just to be there and just experience it, regardless of which teams made it. But, I mean, you had Dwayne Wade and – and Texas, you know, not being far from, from Austin and New Orleans, they had a large contingency. And, you know, those Kansas fans are traveling as well. And right. From the Keys fans. And, and, you know, just from a, a basketball standpoint, it was, it was, um, it was very, you know, cool to see, you know, Jim Bayheim win the national championship after being close a couple of times. And, right. and I read how, you know, he, after the game, he shook Roy Williams' hand and, and said, you know, he'd get one. And, and sure enough, you know, that turned out to be true just, you know, a few years later. And, and, and then he, you know, then he got a couple more too. So, um, you know, but from, so from, from that standpoint, it was very cool. But also just from a personal standpoint, someone that grew up a, a Buffalo Bills fan, a Buffalo right. fan, and a Syracuse fan, I was so, you know, I was pretty much sick of second place finishes, and so right. uh, <laughs> win one was 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 a lot of fun, and, I, and I, especially for my family because they were they're the true diehard Syracuse fans, and right. just being in New Orleans was was just fun. It's just a, a fun city, and you know, they they know how to throw a party, and they, they obviously have experience with hosting great events, and and I got to see it from a working standpoint in 2012 when I was you know, working on this championship. It's, we got to see Big Blue Nation and, and Anthony Davis and Kentucky and Coach Cal win their championship. And, and then 10 years later, you know, see Kansas do it with, with the backdrop of Coach Krzyzewski making the Final Four in his last year and right. playing 
Carolina. That was a bucket list. I'd never been to a Duke Carolina game, and so my first one in the Final Four game was just like, like I said earlier, some of the stuff just feels so scripted in my life, and I'm very blessed. Yeah, man, you have a great position. You're in a great position. I'm proud of your success. I get to tell you, not in person, but over the phone, I'm, everything you've done, I'm glad all your success, and you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. Well, I appreciate that. It's it's it's, it's um, always you know gratifying, especially in my position of working with the media, right. uh, to, get, to get compliments from from those individuals, you know, the writers that have to work hard to cover the game. But also, you know, we're a membership-driven organization, and so when I hear from not just the media, but but the sports information offices and, and even coaches and players. Um, I got a handshake with, with Coach Krzyzewski after after the uh, Duke loss in the Final Four, and right. here's someone in that position saying you're doing a great job is is you know very rewarding not uh, just me but you know for uh, for my staff because you know, we put in a lot of work to, to yeah. the tournament and the media operations, but but just the rest of the staff too that that do all the uh, the the months of planning and. and uh, to run the operations of the tournament, every aspect of it, whether it's security or, or game management, not just the media, um, it, it's, like I said, very rewarding. Yeah, I've learned um, as long as you do your job and put in the hard work, your hard work gets recognized. You don't get acknowledged. You don't have to go around looking for recognition. It'll be given to you. It'll be given to you. That's exactly right. Um, every year you're a part of history. Um, you were a part of unexpected history this year because Coach K retired and also the right retired unexpectedly and ended up being both of their final final fours, which was crazy. Like no one expected that. So how that how was it being a part of that? Yeah, it's something I you know, I'll look back on and just you know, just think, you know, how in in one night, um, you know, back to back games I saw two legendary uh careers come to an end and, and yeah. you know, and it's um you know, it's it, it was obviously one was expected and, and one was a total surprise last week. Right. Uh, I can repeat, you know, you know, one of the perks of my job is, you know, is I'm behind the scenes and, you know, talking to some of these coaches for a little bit and, you know, I, I'm just a blip on their radar. I get that. But, it, but at the same time, you know, I do get to have those conversations and I can confirm what, what so many people have said over the past week and just what a class individual coach Jay Wright is. Yeah. As, as as nice as he appears on camera during interviews, and as best as nice as he is behind the scenes when there's no cameras around, um, right. you know it's just it, you know he won a couple of championships and you know you know went to this final four just just all in the last you know six years or so and and um, he never changed after winning that championship in 2016. I mean he's still just humble, friendly. Treats everyone with respect, whether you know whether it's you know someone like me who's running media operations, but also you know the the ushers and and the security personnel, just how friendly he was to every single person behind the scenes, and, uh, always with a smile on his face. Um, yes. You know, I talked to Mike Sheridan, you know, the, a longtime athletics communications and basketball contact at Villanova. Right. You know, and, you know his comment. Um, you know, the other day when I talked to Mike was was that Jay made Mike's job so easy because he understood what the role was not only of the sports information director but what the role of the media is. And 
this this sport and and uh, you know from November through April and then March Madness itself. Um, part of the reason why it's so big is you know is the media coverage that, that the sport generates, and so he had an appreciation and respect for that, and and you know prioritized it accordingly. Definitely. And I could bounce off of what you just said, although I know it's one of the teams that I cover, and I, I'm familiar with Mike Sheridan, and was able to cover a few years of D. Wright's final coaching career, and Villanova is a first-class university all the way, all the way. No doubt about that. Um, for you, um, how is it, how do you, how is it you, have to, you have fun in your position, but at times you have to be serious. As you said, when you're planning the Mars Madison, but the person of the job is you have fun doing it. So how how do you balance it out for you? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know one of one of the you know mottos I guess if you will that I live is, that I live by is you know don't take yourself too seriously but take your work seriously. So I'm a bit of a class clown. So at age 52, um, I, I try to have as much fun as, as possible. And I mentioned Jen and Warren. They have two of the, the better sense of humors of, of any individual I've ever met. And so being around them um, is always good for a lot of laughs. Um, but at the same time, you're doing a job, um, you know, and a lot of eyeballs are on you. And so, right. you know, whether whether it's in person with all the media covering the event and all the fans that, that, that are there um, or just my interactions on Twitter, you know, you you have to – you know, be professional and um, all those sorts of things. But, you know, at the same time, we also know we're not doing anything that's going to save the world or cure a disease or anything like that. It is sports, and sports are supposed to be fun, and we try to make that fun, especially during certain periods of the year. Um, It's stressful. Uh, There's a lot of long days, late nights, early mornings, one after another uh, during March Madness. Um, and, and so you, you have to, you have to have that energy to, and to sustain that and, the, and your focus to be accurate, to be dependable, to be re- reliable, to be responsive uh, to all the different people and, and demands that are out there, whether it's our TV or radio partners or writers or, or our member institutions. And so, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of work, um, at the same time. I know if I resign this afternoon, my boss would have, you know, hundreds of people applying for my job. Um, you know, it, like I said, it, you know, repeatedly, it, it's something I'm very fortunate to do. It's something I've dreamt about doing uh, and being involved with since I was a small kid. That, that, that is, you know, not an overstatement or a lie at all. Um, you know, when, when my background is I grew up in Germany being a military brat and, moved around a lot, had a lot of people coming out of my life, lost touch with a lot of people, obviously, but then social media made the world even a smaller place. And when people who I haven't talked to since junior high find out what I was doing for a living, none of them were surprised because this is exactly what I set out to do. Um, Didn't think it would escalate, you know, to this level. Um, Certainly never expected to be, you know, that fortunate. Um, but through some hard work and a lot of breaks and you know, lots and lots of help along the way, here I am. Um, the selection committee, they have a hard job, that's as you guys do. You guys are hand-in-hand because they set up the teams and you guys 
without the platform. You talk about how closely you guys work together or there's how you think their job is because without them, I mean, there's no you. Without you, there's no them. So it's like one in one. <laughs> that's right. And, and it's, you know, that's, that's probably uh, dangerous to say it's my absolute favorite, but if I had to choose one favorite aspect of the job, it's selection week. Um, you know, so you have 12 committee members. It right. had 10 for a number of years, but this year it expanded to 12. Uh, there's 12 committee members and five staff members who are in the room uh, from start to finish. We get started on, on uh, Wednesday just after lunch. Right. And, you know, we're in that room for, for hours on end you know, all the way through, you know, Sunday evening. And um, it's a lot of fun watching that process unfold. The committee supports – I'm sorry, the staff supports the committee right. uh, with, you know, giving them information, whether it's, you know, using the net or other metrics, um, you know, that they use and, and other resources that they have at their disposal walking them through the process and so they're following um, the principles and procedures for selecting teams, seeding teams, and then on Sunday bracketing the 68 teams. Um, it's a, a common, you know, misperception is the bracket, you know, comes together as the week unfolds, and that's, that's not true at all. We don't start it until Sunday morning when we have all 68 teams selected. Okay. Uh, and all 68 teams seated, one through 68, and, and they're in the right order with a couple contingencies in place because there are a handful of games that take place on Sunday. Right. And that's having to do multiple brackets on Sunday. But um, that bracketing process starts on Sunday. Um, many of the decisions the committee make are dictated by geography uh, and or conference affiliation. Um, but then, you know, like this year, we ran into a lot of roadblocks and, and you know, ended up getting through it, but um, the, it, it's, a, it's, it's a lot of fun watching them unfold. The, the committee members start evaluating teams in November. Uh, right. and we have a conference monitoring program in place, and so you know, they're in charge of you know, a handful, five or six conferences, um, either in a primary or secondary role to monitor throughout the season. And so um, no leak gets uh, left unturned. These, these committee members become experts on the conferences for which they monitor, and, and um, you know, we're there to support them to give them extra information and walk them through the process and make sure everything's done according to those principles. But it's a lot of fun. Um, right. It obviously comes with a lot of scrutiny every year. Every year there's going to be uh, teams upset they didn't get in. And right. Those arguments. There's going to be teams who, you know, people feel like they were underseeded or overseeded and, um, when you have 12 opinions, you're 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 going to, you know, have uh, different viewpoints, and and that's okay. And then right. when the comes out, you're going to have you know lots of people who disagree with some of the decisions committee makes. But you know that's all part of it. Um, yeah. You know it's you know I, I think in recent years the, the noise on selection Sunday decreased. Quite honestly, I, I think you know they've. Re- reform the way they they looked at teams and, and certainly that the net metric is one way they've done that but just just understanding um, you know everything about what goes into determining what the, what's a quality team right. the accomplishments of each team are it's 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 a thankless process obviously there's always someone upset um, quite honestly you know 
it wouldn't be Selection Sunday without someone upset about not being in or and not being seated the way they want to be or even sent to a certain right. person on site. They may have to travel across the country or who they have to play. There's always going to be someone, you know, upset. But when you have that much interest in, in the process and that much interest in the tournament, you know, you're never going to please it, um, anyone and, or everyone and, and the committee understands that. Yeah, definitely. Every selection Sunday, the teams that was on the bubble, they think back mentally to, to games they left step away, to a pass, to a missed shot. They're all thinking about everything they could have done in the regular season not to be in that moment. But <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly right. It's, 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 a, it's a four-month season. Um, so if, if you get hot at a certain point of the season, you know, it, it, it doesn't erase anything else you've done. Um, you know, it, it's the, the phrase full body of work gets thrown out there a lot, but it's thrown out there a lot for a good reason. It's because it's, yeah. it's absolutely true. And, and um, you know, the, again, you're never going to have everyone completely satisfied, but um, the committee does a thorough job every year. Um, it's done with utmost integrity. I've been able to sit in that room uh, with them and watch the process unfold every year since 2006. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a tremendous honor sitting there. I often tell Dan Gavitt, our senior VP for, for basketball, that, you know, that week feels like a, a second week of Christmas for me because, you know, right. I love love it very much. Yeah, more than that, it's more, more than my favorite time of the year because with the tournament, we all knew once you get in, anything is possible. There's always a Cinderella making a run. This year with St. Peter's. I mean, that platform is huge, and it shines light on a lot of players. And coaches that we've seen, they can help change people's positions. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, we were we were having my boss and I were having a conversation today about George Mason, and that was my first year. And um, you know, and you know, obviously, Coach Larry Nagel went on, you know, to become an ACC coach and had his team in the Elite Eight, you know, with the Hurricanes this year. And you know, it it, it does, you know, provide coaches and players with with platforms or you, you see players from St. Peter's that most of America may not be familiar with, but then yeah. they knock off a Kentucky and knock off a you know very good Murray State team and knock off Purdue, and all of a sudden they're becoming household names and, and sensations in March. And, but it goes right. on and on, you know, whether it's, you know, St. Peter's this year, George Mason or VCU, um, you know, Butler, uh, you know, before they were in the Big East, people forget they were a Horizon League school that made it to the championship game two years ago. And, and, um, and obviously Cinderella's go way before I started working, you know, this championship. So, uh, right. you know, and it, anything's possible. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, you know you, the UMBC-Virginia game, you know, with the 16 seeding a one, the only time that's happened, you know, and it's just, you know, no one sees that coming. But then the next year, Virginia wins the national championship, and you know, you know, the rest of their story gets 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 to be told. And you know, it's it, that that in itself is just an amazing story, and it's right. just something you don't get in any other sport. Um, you know, the the NBA, the, the you know, playoffs are, are great. Most of the time, the better teams going to win four yeah. uh, series to advance. You know, barring an injury, you know, you know that that obviously can can change things and. You know, you're seeing Phoenix struggle right now without Devin Booker. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so, so that, those type of things can happen over the course of a series with injuries. But if all things are equal, 
the vast majority of time, you know, the you know, the superior teams are going to win. And and I think it's safe to say if Kentucky played St. Peter's two out of three or three out of five or whatever, you know, Kentucky would have advanced. But that that's right. And if you get that one shot, and uh, that's why it's called one shining moment, and and not two. And yeah. That opportunity and, and schools like St. Peter's can can take advantage of it, and uh, you know it's just it, you know it's tremendous. You know, for the game of basketball, it's tremendous for the event. Yeah, at the end of every tournament, they play the once a moment. A lot of players and fans and media look forward to it. Um, for you as a coordinator, how does it feel when they start um, playing one Sunday moment? Because it highlights every part of the tournament you guys coordinated. Yeah, the portion of it every year. Yeah, the, you know, a couple of thoughts on that. One, it's it, it's probably the saddest I am during that time because it, it's, it signals that everything's over. Right. Um, you know, the season's over. Um, and, and I do I do feel a sense of sadness. That that is that is not hyperbole. I, I, that does come over me every year that you know there's no college basketball for several months. Um, but it's also a reminder of all the great moments that have taken place over the previous three weeks. And, um, you know, and, you know, here's the other point I want to make about it is I'm on the court with the team and the, the champions cutting the nets. And right. we, we tell them, I'm, someone's in my ear saying, okay, we're, we're 30 seconds from one shining moment. And we stop the teams, what they're doing. So if there's people doing interviews or they're cutting the nets, we yeah. tell players, okay, one shiny moment's coming off in 30 seconds, and I don't care if it's, you know, 1987 or if it's 2022, those players are stopping what they're doing. They want to watch that collectively as a team, right. uh, see themselves, see their teammates make good plays, and, and, and even see the, the other teams and their memorable uh, moments throughout the tournament and, and, and watch that. It's something uh, that, you know, it's, it's part of the tournament it puts a bow on the tournament if you will and um you know i just love it when i get in uh i can go down a rabbit hole quite easily and start looking at old one shiny moments from the 80s and 90s and and this century as well uh just you know just to to kill two and a half minutes i showed my my boys one shiny moments before you know and 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 you know introduced them to to that song and what it means, you know, you know, for this tournament, and you know, they're getting to the. They think it's really cool, and then they're getting at ages twelve and ten that they're starting to realize, hey, Dad's got a pretty cool job, and um, you know, they get to to experience some of the the perks that that, that come along with it. Right. Um, I had a pleasure speaking with um, Mark also. Um, he did a phenomenal job, Mark Federal. How's the working with Mark? He did a phenomenal job at the press conferences. He had everything under control. He had to meet under control. It was a it was a great experience. It was hand in hand with what you put you guys put together. It is. He's a pros pro. Um, you know, has an extensive background in, in public speaking and, and sports uh, arenas and environments. Whether it's yeah. doing PA for uh, for the Wizards, he, he got the filling at the Garden. Uh, yeah. You know, Knicks game. You know, and, it was, and he's got some some ties to the New York area, so he appreciates that as much as anyone. I mean. You know, the garden of the garden, and they have to be able to, to be center court, front row, doing PA for right. And You know, I, I don't care how much they've struggled in recent years. I mean, it's the Knicks and it's the garden. Yes. And, 
you know, that's that's super cool for him. But he but he he's done soccer, he's done boxing, and he's been our press conference moderator at the Final Four for a number of years now. And right. he does a great job. He's got a great rapport with with strangers and friends alike. He knows the media. He knows who to call on. Um, you yes. Know, to, to get questions in, he's fair. Um, he he understands the importance of uh, diversity when it comes to calling on people. Yeah. And now in the environment of doing a you know a hybrid model of press conferences with media in attendance as well as those who are participating via Zoom. And so he you know he stays current you know in that regard and and, and totally gets it. Like I said, he's a pro's pro. Definitely. David, thank you so much for your time. This was a great conversation. I definitely look out toward the beginning of the um college season itself again. Thank you for your time. Hey, I appreciate you having me today and uh take care of yourself, John. Appreciate it. You- you too. The rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Well, this is NCAA Director of Media Coordination and Media Coordinator of March Madness, the Warlock. Thanks for joining me. Catch you next time.